what's up everything the arizona coyotes smashed the st louis blues into the boards harder than Sidney crosby after a bender and now we are reeling is it time to burn the entire organization to the ground we'll talk about it ahead in our most analytically driven episode this week so let's get started and let's go blues everyone welcome to the sun made raisins factory this is the two guys one cup podcast and it is wednesday november 17th we are now a wednesday podcast until next week when we probably won't be anymore ian you have another game to go to tomorrow how excited are you to attend a blues game live and in living color much much like the band in living color much like the last two games uh a two were you at both I was at the Oilers game, and I was at the Nashville game. Oh, okay. Were those both part of your package? Mm-hmm. Oh, but not the Coyotes game. No. They figured that'd be a hot ticket. They said, <laughs> said we're not going to force that on you. You've been so nice to give Even us money. Even you cheap bastards, we don't hate you that much. Um, it is interesting, though, because now I have like a half a season ticket mm-hmm. package thing. They, is it like literally like 20 or two or whatever? Because yeah. it used to be like, what, 12? 12, okay. yeah. Well, because first of all, folks oh, don't... They, yeah, they you, fucking right? lied to yeah. me. <laughs> Tell this whole story. I get these are salespeople, but they were like, hey, we're not going to have those 12-game ticket packages anymore because the demand for full and half season is so big that those tickets are just going to be gone. And absorbed in those bigger uh, packages. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll get half season then. And then, uh, lo and behold, like a week into the season, they're like, we've got 12 game <laughs> ticket packages. It's like, God damn it, they fooled me. <laughs> so I traditionally got like the 12 games that were the cheapest, which means uh, weekday nights only and, and no Friday nights. And then they're always against like a crappy team or an Eastern Conference team. Mm-hmm. So now it's been really weird seeing like, like seeing the Sharks tomorrow is going to be mm-hmm. weird. Seeing the Avs earlier this year is like, huh? I get to see like fun teams mm-hmm. that matter now. I think I have like a Blackhawks game later. I'm like, wow, I don't think I've seen them play the Blackhawks since like 2014. I was so. going to have you go to an Oilers game to see McDavid. I think you already had that one on your schedule. Oh, and yeah, then yeah. I fired you, which I don't have the authority to do, but you know, whatever. Um, the sun. That's right. Uh, it's been a rough week to be the Blues. Or a Blues fan. Really, it's more about us. Screw them. Yeah, right. They're paid millions of dollars. Help me feel better about my <laughs> life. Oh, I'm not going to this episode. This, uh, you know, we're not going to be like doom and gloom, but we're going to be honest. We're going to be frank. This team's yeah. in a bad, it's in bad shape at the moment. It I'm, might not stay this way, but at the moment, not great. That's the thing. Sure, it's early in the season, but also I feel like there's a big enough sample size that you can say, there are problems that need to be addressed. <laughs> and uh, yeah, not all doom and gloom. I don't think it's going to be a, a savage podcast, but I think, like you said, it's going to be a very uh, analytically driven podcast. Yes, and as we alluded to in the beginning, we are currently eating sun-made raisins because we are roughly 478 years old. I bought, or very young. I bought, for the young right, and the old. That's right. I bought 
a whole lot of raisins, which are nature's candy, according to Chris from Parks and Recreation, um, because I intended to make the Welsh uh, bread loaf bear a Brit, which I'm sure I'm butchering the pronunciation of. And everyone knows about. But Schnooks didn't have all the fancy ingredients I needed, so... You gotta yeah. go to. I gotta go to Deerberg's or Straub's. Straub's, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Straub's. They've got one down there on Quayton, but I'm not allowed in there. Not <laughs> my kind. You gotta have. I think you gotta wear a tie. Mm-hmm. That's right. I live, uh, just like a mile west of some of the most offensive amount of wealth I've ever seen. <laughs> There's one ca- house on Quayton. No, you're right. That castle. is literally a castle. <laughs> Did we drive past there recently? I, I've or have you driven past it? No, yeah, we did. We did. Okay. Yeah. Because it is literally a castle. <laughs> it looks like that person's living room from the front could be like a BMW showroom. Oh, yeah. Like the living room could be the entire showroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's horrifying. I mean, it is surrounded by huge houses and it still stands out as like, what the hell happened here? And that's, that's why they win. That's yep. why they're the winners. That's right, and that's why Braden Shin lives there. I don't know. I have no idea. I always want to ask, like, there's so many big, fancy houses in this city, mm-hmm. and, like, a lot of it's old wealth. I get it where it's like, well, I don't really do anything. My dad's 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 dad invented uh, Anheuser-Busch mm-hmm. or whatever. But some of these people are new money, and I just want to be like, what is it? I mean, it's probably being a doctor of some kind, but I'm like, I just want to know, because I'm sure there's somebody... That's like, I am the sole taco owner. And I'm yeah. like, oh, cool. That's interesting. <laughs> Doctors, lawyers, athletes. But how are there oh, that many of those? Or people that got sewed into the Charlie Brown uh, <laughs> pants. <laughs> the big Charlie Brown balloon <laughs> pants. Yeah. Right. Although, do they buy big houses? Because they've only got one amount of money. That keeps getting smaller until they die. That's right. <laughs> so, Unless they invest properly. Yeah, that's right. Could it be you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, folks. We're going to move on and talk about Sidney Crosby to start for a minute. Because what the hell? I don't. I don't. He's not happy. He's not a happy guy. We haven't, we haven't gotten to yell at the Department of Player Safety this week. Um, or this, <laughs> this year as it's much. A, it's about a every other week sort of thing. Yeah, it really is. But uh, Sidney Crosby, angry about a, a drubbing the Capitals were on the receiving end of this weekend. Uh, on a play behind the net, behind the Capitals net. Just sort of grabbed Martin Faravery and uh, hog-tossed him into the boards. Kind of face first, right? Oh, yeah, very much so. Um, very his first. That's his face. We've got uh, names over this GIF I create. I had GIF Jeff create because uh, my supervisor at work is a huge Pins fan and a huge uh, Crosby fan in particular, obviously. So I had them put his name over him, over Crosby and my name over Martin Fairberry. But the, the point of the GIF still remains that he just straight slams a guy, like throws him into a board, like suplexes him, basically. Um, how, I, you cannot give me any explanation that justifies this not at least being a fine. There is no penalty on the play. That's what they'll tell you. Yeah, I know. That's your purpose, though, isn't it? Isn't, like, I love, this is like the line they love to walk where it's like, well, if they didn't call anything on the ice, then we can't punish it here. But if they did call it on the ice, then it was sufficiently punished, and we're not going to punish them here. And it's like, 
You can't be both. You can be one or the other, maybe, but not both. They claim to be nothing but the department that gets to dole out maximum fines as allowed by the CBA. Mm-hmm. I like that they put that in there all the time, too, to make sure that you know that we couldn't find them oh, any more money. I would have loved to get make the NHL more money, believe me. But my hands are tied. I'm George Peros somehow still in this job. And I what I say goes. So, you know. Anyway, I don't have a ton to say about this. Uh, Brendan Gallagher also, like, uh, who was it? Um, the guy that the Rangers signed from Barquay Goodrow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he um, sucker punched him after a little bit of fracas, just right in, the, right in the schnoz, right in the nose. Also didn't get any punishment, I don't think. Just yeah, a weird player safety. That's week. Brendan Gallagher. You yeah. Know? So he, he deserved it. He, he had it coming. No, he was the deliverer. Oh, he was? Yeah. Okay, well, that's allowed, though, because yeah, he's, he's, he's a little spark plug, you know? Okay, all right, gotcha, gotcha. So this is just what the DPS does, is it takes both sides of every potential. Yeah. <laughs> I go, well, this, I get both sides, so we will just do nothing. <laughs> no one would ever expect Ryan O'Reilly to slash someone across the throat. Okay, but he did, though. Yeah, but he's not Ryan O'Reilly, and he'd never do that, so he's fine. <laughs> he must have had a good reason. You'll never do that again he's just like pk superman Stephen. <laughs> oh, oh, oh no i'd almost forgotten yeah, about, that. about that did he get any punishment of course not I of don't course think not so. I don't think he's so. a, but but you know it's just a bad part of his game it's not it's, it's, it's not in. a dirty player it's just crept into his game pk suban for anyone who didn't know uh slew footed sammy blay and ended his season tore acl uh, he's out for the year, which, you know, sucks for Sammy. We like Sammy. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't look like shamefully dirty and on first watch, but it's bad. And I don't know why he keeps doing this, you know? Well, as Tim Peel, the former uh, NHL ref, tweeted out about this uh, this play... He basically said that he knows P.K. Subban personally, has refed many of P.K.'s games, and he knows that P.K.'s a nice guy, and he doesn't mean any harm on any of these dirty plays. It's just something that he, quote-unquote, has crept into P.K.'s game. And I was like, so basically he's like, well, you know, it's it's a bad habit. That's what I call it. It's a bad habit that's crept into P.K.'s game. And it's like the bad habit is dirty plays, like... That just means he's a dirty play. That just means he's a dirty player. Mm-hmm. I understand what you mean that he's like a nice guy, you know, hugs his kids, goes to work, whatever, uh, you know, breaks for dogs, all that stuff. But it's like, um, if you're going to have dirty plays on the ice, that just makes you a dirty player. I don't know how else how else you can state it. I don't really know how you can defend the guy. I'm There's a lot of question marks around, like, refing. I feel like, recently, in terms of, like, this... And McDavid's like whole spiel about not getting enough calls and people having opinions on that, mm-hmm. and there being no punishment for the Crosby hog toss. Um, it just feels really all over the place. And then hearing people tout about how like NFL or NFL NHL refs are like game managers. Well, they're not about calling the rule book, they're there to manage the game. And I'm like, okay, the manage the game better. By the yeah, rule book. I'm like, I don't understand. Why you write rules and then you're like, well, except for sometimes. It's like, okay, well, then just get rid of it. Well, we can't get rid of it. And it's like, well, what is it? It can't be some for some people and not for others. Um, yeah, as just an aside, that stuff about 
McDavid. Basically, McDavid just being so good that uh, players are allowed to take penalties against him because if they called it by the rule book, there'd be like 50 power plays a game. And it's like, and that would be no fun. And it's like, okay, well then don't freaking trip Connor McDavid at every at that, given chance. Hey, at that high, high price point, they can trip, okay? <laughs> right. They can trip. I just think I get the argument that if they were to call the rule book uh, with Connor McDavid playing and stuff, you get like 50 power plays for the Edmonton Oilers. It's a boring game, yada, yada. But then players are going to adapt. You know what? The other team's not going to take 50 penalties the next time they play Connor McDavid. They're going to find a different way to neutralize yeah, him. Like, also, let, let that happen. Also, is there not any middle ground between calling all 50 and not calling any? Right, right. I'm like, they literally didn't call a penalty against the... Uh, Jets was it against the Jets or just on Connor McDavid? Either way, yeah. In the playoffs last year, which is like that's just that's not possible. So find some middle ground between those two things, huh? They never will. Yeah. So is that all our NHL talk? Do we have to talk about the Blues now? <laughs> Let's skip them too. The podcast's <laughs> over. Thanks for Enjoy. tuning in, folks. Happy almost Thanksgiving. Uh, all right, let's dive right into it. So we're going to go through the games uh, with uh, increasing or decreasing quickness. I don't know, some amount of quickness. We're not going to barely talk about the Nashville Predators one at all. We're going to leave that out of this. Uh, but we lost to them 4-3 to three in overtime. The overtime game winner scored by Matt Duchesne. Uh, the Pareko went to ground here when he was closer to Grandland. He should have made a play on Grandland. But he didn't. He flopped on his belly like a big old fish, and it didn't work so good because it never works. And I've never seen that work for us. It's just too. I feel like he went down too early, mm-hmm. and these players are good enough at saucer pass. Yeah. It's like, well, now I've you've made my decision yeah. for me, and I can do that just fine. And Granlund uh, just kind of piloned past Perron on this too, which I don't know if he'd been out there a while and was out of gas, but certainly just got passed. And I don't think of Granlund as like fleet of foot necessarily mm. if Perron had been wearing the white skates he probably could have kept up thanks a lot Andy Murray yeah thanks uh but yeah that's how they won it um this had been three you know two to nothing and then three to two and Tarasenko tied it late so we got the point um the only point we've got we'll get in this episode um Ooh, but boy. uh not great. Not not great. Here's a question: when you're I'm, when you're sliding on your belly, mm-hmm. I guess you would. I don't know. Would you lose more speed if you went to your side and then like kicked your legs and arms up on the side mm. to like be in the air? You know, cover yeah. more space and just fling your arm around. I don't know. Like, let me hit the puck of it if they saucer it over me. But instead, they're like on their belly and they watch it go over their back, like. Ooh, <laughs> you did it. And they're like, nothing I can do. And I get, it's a very fast game, I understand. But I'm like, maybe you, you can make yourself a little bigger. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's harder to get in that position. Probably. But that's an interesting thought. We did outshoot them here. We won more face-offs. Hits were about easy. Even uh, We even won the Corsi 4 percentage battle at even strength. And the high danger chances battle and the exacted goals battle, but we lost the game in yeah. overtime. So thirteen high danger chances—that's pretty good. That's for us. That's that's a record. All right. So moving on to the Carolina Hurricanes game, which you were not at. No, this was in Carolina. Oh, so you weren't there then. Yeah. <laughs> 
And you call yourself a fan. You son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> uh, Joel Hofer got the start. A lot of debate added into this one about, like, just let Bennington start both games. Oh, yeah. Um, I couldn't have disagreed more strongly with that. I just... Bennington's going to start too many games right. as it is. And, uh-oh, but he's also looking like he could be the starter for Team Canada at the Olympics because Team Canada's goalies are real bad. So, like... uh Maybe let's find whatever breaks we need to find for him. Army is the GM of that team too, so yeah, he, he's playing two hands. That's here. right. And I know, like I, I didn't. Nobody wanted to start Hofer here. Anyway, I'm sure I agree. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't have been like crazy to start Huso on the road in Carolina, but like, if you've got to take that hit sometimes to get through a full season. You take it. You know, mm. if this had been a back-to-back, I would have felt, like, more inclined to start Bennington if it was a back-to-back of, like, winnable in-division games. You know, mm. if it had been, like, Blackhawks stars or whatever. But with two of the best teams in the league that are both out of your conference, I just don't see the upside of winning, right. of I, starting Bennington both games. I think they're going to be hard either way, so it just, like, yeah. doesn't matter what right. goal you have in. And the old logic of coaching circles goes that you start your starter in the one you had the best chance to win mm. which i don't know if i agree with that but that is the logic so uh obviously we thought edmonton at home was a little better shot than uh, carolina on the road which i probably agree with uh and we started over here and you know he certainly wasn't the problem yeah so i don't really have a problem with it in hindsight but I thought I'd mention that since it did seem to spark a little controversy. Brady Shea sparked the scoring. Oh, this was also Justin Fox returned to Carolina. He got the video package, the whole big thing. So, you know, good for him. Two years ago, he was <laughs> traded. Yeah. yeah, man. that Those pandemic years really messed with some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brady Shea scored his first of the season. Uh, this was the fourth straight goal against the Blues in the fifth of the last sixth, according to Jeremy Rutherford, that the Scandella-Pareko pair had been on the ice for. For the season, Scandella-Pareko have been on the ice for six goals for, ten against at five-on-five five per natural stat trick, which kudos to Jeremy for knowing how to look up stuff on natural stat trick. Right. Well, he's, not, he's not just a pretty face, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> he's a brilliant and insightful reporter, too. Um, Sebastian Ajo made it two to nothing, but the Blues really fought back in this. And I gotta say, when it was two to nothing, I was like, "Oh, this is gonna get ugly. Yeah. This is gonna be like five, four or five to nothing. We're gonna yank Hofer." And again, I don't think it was Hofer's fault, uh, but you know, power play goal by Ajo here, and I thought we were off to the races. But Pavel Buchnevich uh, gets a power play goal. Kairu shot the puck. Thomas got the rebound, passed the puck to his left. Buchnevich collected it. And wristed one past uh, the Canes goalie, who was not Anderson. No. Alex Lyons, was it? Yeah, that sounds right. Yikes. I know at a Y. Yikes. Um, Buchnevich has been heating up, or had been uh, before these last couple of games. Yeah. I mean, he's going to be real good. That's just. I liked. I've liked his game. That's just just a steal of a trade. I don't. And you know, I mean, obviously, sad about what happened to play, and you know, that was. Nothing either team anticipated, but that would have been a steal either way. Um, Tarasenko, even the scoring 48 seconds into the third period, Barbashev poked the puck over to Tarasenko in the deep slot. Tarasenko's first shot is stopped by the Canes goalie. 
Uh, you really didn't know his name. No, I, no, I didn't know his name. I wasn't going to look it up. <laughs> but Boba collected his own rebound and put the puck in the back of the net. It was a nice play. Tarasenko obviously playing uh, the best hockey we've seen him play in a number of years. Also got a nice haircut, according to this picture of him on NHL.com. So, you know, good for him. <laughs> what a clean shaven What a clean man. shaven guy. Oh, he's got a little bit of beard yeah, in there. Yeah, he does. Oh. He does. We see you, Bova. To um, show that time has passed. That's right. Uh, please don't leave us. Uh, or do, but bring us back a good defenseman. <laughs> it's up to you. <laughs> bring us back a good defenseman and somehow get Marcus Gandela out of here. Get him out of here! <laughs> Uh, Brendan Smith in what would becoming a trend, um, what would be become, what would become a trend, uh, scores a late goal to dagger us. The shot you said needed to be blocked. It also needed to be saved. Neither happened. And then you were sad. How do you feel about that last goal? Oh boy. It was, I get this one confused with the Oilers one that we'll mm-hmm. talk about because they were both the same exact feeling. Yep. I mean, at least this one, there was three minutes uh, three left, minutes left yeah. so we could pull a goalie and, and go for it. But, I mean, this we battled back, but this still felt like a game we deserved to lose. Mm-hmm. But I had worked it up in my brain that I was like, well, if we at least get a point out of this, we start building some positive momentum again, and this just completely sapped them. Like, oh, we're back to square one. I see. We, we've completely reset the game. Um, this is doing nothing for us. It was, yeah, I was, I was upset. Yeah, it was not good. And, um, I just, I broke down, you know, it's, it's unhelpful for the listeners at home, the graphics I made in our notes, but I have tweeted some of them out. Maybe I'll tweet out more. I want to, before we get into any further into this podcast, I want to say, very explicitly that I don't claim to be an expert on hockey strategy or coaching. In fact, I would say I'm a bit ignorant. What do you claim to be an expert on? Um, Do you think there's something you're an expert on? That's a good question. Uh, Writing, I guess. English grammar. Real Bill Shakespeare. (laughs) What, What else? I don't know. That's a fun question. Do you have anything, Ian? Pokemon. <laughs> no, I mean like maybe in like the group of people I know, uh-huh. I'd be like the Pokemon expert. That is always like, like a scary gambit though, because then you get those online people oh, you know, on the internet. Oh, table. honestly, for my mental health, uh-huh. I love Reddit, but I also think it's like this other. It's this weird other problem oh, it's where it's like a challenge of yeah. Well, like every if you, they're all nameless people, faceless people. They all have weird usernames, but I don't, right. I don't remember any of like them. Like PM me that slide. <laughs> yeah, like that. Like that one could be one. Yeah, that, that could be a, that could be a Reddit name. That could be a Reddit name. There it's, could be it's, other. Ta- it's taken. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you could you read through these threads and you see like, oh, this person knows a lot about baking. Mm-hmm. And you click on something else that's completely unrelated, Pokemon, whatever, and you go, this person knows a lot about Pokemon. And in my brain, I know these are different people, but they kind of turn into like one person. Oh yeah, one and superhuman. I'm, and I'm always like, man, who the fuck knows about all this <laughs> shit? I'm like, people know about everything. And I'm like, wait a second, maybe that guy who knows a lot about Pokemon also can't tie his shoes yeah I'm like oh yeah i can't i do occasionally go into someone's post feed and see like oh this was really astute i wonder where else he's active oh no where else he just posts on this subreddit he's seven really times into model trains um i have this fun thing too where like 
I, I've been playing the game Fallout 4 recently. And in that game, you can, like, build settlements and stuff. You can build cities. It's not, like, roller coaster tycoon or anything, That's but you no can build, city. like, little buildings and stuff, and you keep your villagers happy with food and water and all that sort of stuff. And it's, like... I'll be in there and I'll be like, oh, that's pretty cool. I built like a three-story house. That's pretty neat. I even put some electricity in there. And it's it's like, a, I'm really I'm really excited about it from an in-game perspective. And then I'll make the mistake of looking up like a YouTube video. Oh, yeah. And there will be these people who have built entire functioning cities. And like, not only just like the city works, but like every person has like a special area and their beds are assigned oh, to them yeah. and they like... If you go in there, it like functions like almost as if like it's a pre-existing city in the game, and I'm just like, you know what? I'm sure that's true in just about every area of life where I'm like, I even the stuff I think I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool. I feel pretty good about this. There are other people that are like, nope, yeah. <laughs> but like you said, maybe those people don't have the ingredients for a bear of brit they'll never make in their pantry. So, that's right. or I should say, half the ingredients for a bear of brit they'll never make. We in all their bring pantry. something fresh to the table except for some people that's right you know who you are <laughs> uh but, <laughs> but um back to the hockey knowledge thing i don't claim to be an expert on this however i have seen some trends and we are going to talk about some stuff because i think this this podcast has a bit of a thesis statement however uh you will not learn it until the end, which means, therefore, that it is an inductive paper and not a deductive paper. See, uh, I think you're an you expert. Know, I think you're an expert. Thank you. Um, but, uh, except, I, I'll be completely honest, because there are people listening, that's one of the things I'm most insecure about, is inductive versus deductive, because so it could be completely the opposite. <laughs> but you you folks tell us. You cats tell us yeah. with, the, with the bachelors of arts in English that you also have. Um, in any case, one of the trends I noticed on a couple of these goals is just like leaving people just completely all alone at the point. Now it's especially true on the power play, but it's true here too. And this was not the power play for the Carolina Hurricanes. Whoever gets this puck, um, I'm guessing Tony D'Angelo maybe the, and then Brendan Smith is the redirect in front, but I'm not sure. In either case, um, Tony D'Angelo, I'm going to go with that just for the purpose of clarity, is like three feet in front of the blue line and the closest person to him is uh, like not above the circle. Yeah. I mean, there's another guy on the other side of the ice who's like closer to the point, but he's not functionally any closer to the I mean, it's a good than... like 15 feet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge gap and it's just like... Th- even if Tony D'Angelo, like, even if they were going for a line change or whatever, like, that, you know someone's going to be there eventually, and there's just no coverage for this. He's got all the space in the world to shoot. He's already winding up for the slap shot and the screenshot I took, and it gets redirected, and it's the game-winning goal, and it's, uh, you know, a 3-2 to two loss. Um, is it the worst loss in the history of the Blues? No, you're losing to a really good team in a close game. You could have gotten beaten worse than you did, and you came back. Uh, we, you know, kept it close in Corsi 4, even, you know, had the high danger and expected goals advantage, but couldn't get that closing win. Uh, and, yeah, it just, it felt to me like this is a game that, at like, 
almost got away from the hurricanes and then we let it get away from us because <laughs> like we should have had all of the momentum after Tarasenko ties it. Right. You should find a way to get another goal. But then like once that 10 or 15 minutes has passed, you've got to find a way to at least get a point and to do neither. It's just really disappointing. Uh, and um, yeah, it, it sucked. It sucked. It sucked pretty hard. That one felt pretty bad. This one definitely felt like they snatched like defeat from the jaws of victory. Mm. You've got some quotes here from Barubi and O'Reilly. You want to read those? Yeah. Uh, O'Reilly, who had played for almost 20 minutes and one shot and three giveaways in the game, he said, I'm starting to think losing my hands and hockey sense is a COVID symptom. I'm fighting the puck and not making good decisions with it. I feel as a guy that sees a lot of minutes, I've got to make better plays. I'd like to blame COVID for it. I'm the leader of this team and my game is not where it needs to be for us to have success. It's on me. If I can get that going again and find a way to contribute more, it would put us in better spots to win more hockey games. Dark Ryan O'Reilly's going down that dark I path know, again. Don't do it, Ryan. It's oh, not all no. your fault. It's <laughs> not, come, bro, there's, there's like 20 of you out there. Like It can't always be your fault. He's going down to that place again. <laughs> Having said that, he has looked a little... I yeah, mean, he's not looked great. He's and it really is shaky. all his fault, but we don't want him to believe yeah, that. You can't believe that. This is one of those times where, like, your you know, your coworker is like, "Oh, I screwed that up so bad," and you're like, "No worries, no, you know what? It's a team. We all make mistakes." And then you like DM somebody else, and you're like, "Can you believe how that?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, if they mess it up again, we got to fire them. <laughs> we got to uh, fire Ryan O'Reilly. It's interesting because I do think O'Reilly and even some of the more veteran guys like him and Perron and um, Saad. I think those guys have looked. I guess Todd and O'Reilly, both at COVID, just have looked very iffy in the last like mm. two weeks or so. It's yep. been our, our younger guys and our new guys that have kind of stepped up a little bit more, which is nice and we'll talk about. But yeah, it's been a it's been a weird little change of the guard in terms of productivity. A strange factoid I noticed today, Robert Thomas actually leading forwards in ice time two seconds per game ahead of Ryan O'Reilly so far this season. Now, I don't think that'll last. Ryan O'Reilly may be a little bit you know, a little the endurance is down because of COVID too. Who knows? Yeah. But like, uh, interesting. Nonetheless, it's a huge jump in ice time for Robert Thomas. Not as big a one for somebody else we'll talk about in a little while. I but. think JR had a piece about Thomas and how he wanted more ice time. He actually, I think they used the word demanded more Ooh. ice time from the front office and from Baruby. And they basically said, uh, you have to earn it. And like, we'll give it to you for sure. But here's the things we want you to do. And I guess he... He went into the off season for like more intense like off season training, and of course, like they all say, he came back in the best shape of his life. Mm-hmm. But it might have actually been in the best shape of his life, and so they're like, "All right, you've put in the work, you've put in the effort to um, incl- uh, improve his faceoffs, which have uh, jumped up drastically." So it's like, "All right, now that O'Reilly was out for a while, we're actually going to give you top six minutes." He looks, and he actually looks really good. He looks so confident out there. I mean, he's still not shooting, mm-hmm. but. Uh, he is shooting more than he has before. That's not saying much. That's like saying the Arctic's a little warmer than it used to be, you know. But like, uh, but it, you know, he's he looks like he feels like he controls the flow of the right. game, and if the puck is on his stick, he looks like he has complete confidence that he's going to make the play. Now he has a gaffe here in a minute that we'll talk about that. Not so good. Uh, and uh, But, you know, I, wa- I want to see more of that from him. It's the way I wish we had seen uh, Scott Perunovich, who we'll talk about here a little bit, play in his debut. He did not, but 
obviously first game that's asking a lot from him. But anyway, I think Thomas has looked great apart from some minor yeah. errors. And if he can start, you know, if he can get to a point where he's a threat to score 15 or 20, he's got that. I don't want to go crazy and say 100-point upside, but point-per-game upside for sure. Yeah, I, think, I mean, you know? the guy gets is probably going to get 40, 50 assists. Yeah. So I can imagine if he just tacks on 15, 20 goals, it's mm-hmm. not too bad. Yeah. Not too shabby. Precisely. You want to talk about these Ruby quotes? No. Um, okay. No. Uh, <laughs> Ruby talking about the Canes' third goal, he said, we've got to get out and block that shot. I think Hofer looked the wrong way on it. If he looks the other way, he probably stops it. But looking at it again, we're out there. We've got to block that shot. We're out there. We're playing hockey. We <laughs> got to do it. wasn't just Joel Hofer out there. Yeah, he said, uh, Ruby went on to say, a lot of our guys are creating, but we need more guys too. A lot of guys are doing a lot of good things, but we need everybody to contribute. We need everybody to help out and chip in offensively. Which is interesting because while I do agree that there are some guys that have gone cold, uh, and, you know, O'Reilly, Perron, sod uh all those guys to a certain extent i do kind of think that we are getting offense from a lot of different Mm -hmm. places maybe not from the defense maybe we need more offense from the defense but in terms of forwards i feel like we have it pretty spread out which i think is one of like the actual positives that this team has going this season um so i don't know maybe maybe he's thinking of specific people with that quote i'm assuming probably but who knows you know his mind. His mind's like a puzzle box. An easy puzzle box. <laughs> We're about to talk about six goals in the for the Blues in these remaining two games scored by five different people. So it is, you know, there are some uh, some Wake variation. up, Craig. Yeah. Bennington's back for the Edmonton game, and this one sucked. This game sucked. This game... It was a roller coaster. These last two games have broken me harder than I've been broken by this team in a while. I will be honest. Um, Kairou gets a, a sick backhander on a cross-ice pass from Buchnevich on the power play goal. Those two... Thomas got the secondary assist here. Um, you know, Buchnevich is a little older than those guys, but still just entering his prime. He's 26. Yeah. Um, those two, those three are going to be a lot of fun to watch here together for the next three or four years, hopefully, and maybe much longer than that. But, um, you know, I'm really excited to watch them grow and develop together. Connor McDavid is Connor McDavid and can do Connor McDavid things. Uh, but as good as Connor McDavid is, Pareko should have tied him up on this play. Uh, he was puck watching Hyman the whole way. Bennington should probably also save it as well. Um, but, didn't happen. Uh, you mentioned here a, a nice point that Joe Vitale made. You want to bring that up? Yeah, yeah. Vitale mentioned that uh, he thought this goal, even though it's only the 1-1 goal, is when the game was lost for uh, the Blues because the entire period, McDavid and Dreisaitl really weren't much of a factor at all. Um, I mean, I was at this game. I didn't really notice them, them that much. But, yeah, this is a goal in the last five seconds of the first period. And so now you have McDavid and Dreisaitl smelling blood. And that's never good. That's never going to work out for anybody. Uh, but yeah, again, it's like Pareko could have tied McDavid up here. Um, Bennington could have saved this goal because even though it was in close, it was just kind of a little chip play. And I think it goes through him. I mean, I think yeah, it goes I mean, underneath it, his arm. I really remember thinking this one and the third goal were both pretty bad on Bennington. Yeah, and, it's, and we'll talk about it here too. But like, I think Bennington's looked a little more average recently. Mm-hmm. But 
I think that's sort of excusable and allowable given the fact that a lot of the reason we've won a lot of those early games is because they looked really, really good. Yeah. Uh, the next goal is Leon Dreisaitl's 15th of the season, which is insane. Uh, it is um, McDavid to Dreisaitl on the power play. This, Q- yeah. Q Thanos. Uh, <laughs> Inevitable. Yeah, this felt very... Um, Ovechkin E. I mean, not only is it a one timer, but it's also like, and with the people involved and how good they are, you're just like, okay, yeah, you're good for you're good for at least one of those mm-hmm. a game. Like, yeah, yep, yep, that's that's the thing you do. Yeah, I mean, if you if you go a game without allowing the Oilers a power play goal, you win that game. So yeah. <laughs> you have to you literally have to factor in one, yeah. and hope you don't allow two, and go from there. Imagine you know? having such a good power player, just two players of that caliber, that you always have like a gimme. Yeah, You're like so we'll start the game one nothing. Yeah, and then we'll go from there. Their power play is literally converting it over forty yeah. percent. It is <laughs> insane. Um, it's so spicy that when I was trying to record what the Blues power play percentage was mm-hmm. in the notes, because uh, we're second. Which is spoiler, very good. <laughs> it's very good. I accidentally wrote down the Oilers percentage, uh-huh. and when I looked at it, I was like... That's not possible. That's, that can't be a real percentage no matter what. What did I write down? Yeah. Uh, Robert Bortuzzo scored his first of the season and his last <laughs> the I saw this guy in a line. Borts, 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 borts. Uh, bodies in front of the net. Puck bounced out to Bortuzzo. He shot at top corner past Koskinen. Wouldn't you wouldn't think it's that hard to beat Miko Koskinen, but it is. Um, and once again, the uh, Oilers score two. Nugent Hopkins gets his first of the season. He has like twelve hundred assists, and yeah. this is his first I think goal. He, I think he has twenty something. Yeah, assists. yeah, it's, it's insane. Uh, and uh, that's the one that I thought was kind of a squeaker on Bennington, and then the yeah. defense completely breaks down to allow Ryan McLeod his first goal in the NHL um, eight seconds later, and you feel like that's it. But once again, the Blues battle back with goals first by Ivan Barbashev. Uh, this was an awesome pass from Thomas to find Barbashev all alone on the other side of the zone. Barbashev shoots the puck, it goes into the net, but it bounces out so quick that the rest think it went off the crossbar. The horn gets blown 30 seconds later, and Barbashev is awarded the goal. That was weird. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting because Thomas was like pointing at the net the whole time, and it reminded me of like one time when I think Oshie shot mm-hmm. it in, and it got lodged in the net, and then like no one knew where it was, and they just stopped the yeah. game, and he had to go bring the ref to the net and point, it, <laughs> point at it to him. Um, yeah, it was really weird. It's just so crazy when some of these players, even at that speed, they, they've played the game for so long that they just know when yeah. something's a goal that Thomas can just adamantly keep pointing, like, no, 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 uh-huh. that went in. That is crazy because it, like, you, even on the, like, above replays, you can barely see it, like, whip off the right. camera, whip out of the windshield also. Um, but uh, <laughs> it was a goal. You were at this game, right? Yeah. I've, I've lost track. Was that weird in the arena being like, oh, stuff's still happening, and then it's just like... Because on the TV, they just started playing the goal song. Oh, really? Or like the goal buzzer, you know? Yeah. And I was like, but the play's happening right now. <laughs> when they pointed, I think they sh- flashed like, the lights on Kostin uh-huh. for a second. And, like, the kind I of guess is lights. that like Toronto coming in and being like, yo, 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 this was a goal? Or is oh, that the, like. Well, the lights are just the house lights as they thought the goal was scored, like the uh-huh. stadium did. And then they're like, okay, no no one pointed at the net. So oh, let's you're keep saying, going. okay, gotcha, gotcha. And then I remember seeing Thomas point at it and I told my fiance, I was like, oh, like, 
let's see, in the next, like, 30 seconds, if they blow the horn, then that means that it's probably a goal. Because uh-huh. Toronto's trying to stop the play, and lo and behold, they did. Okay, so that does come from Toronto, yeah, and they yeah. then, like, played the fog horn. So it was interesting, because they play it normally, or they do the horn to stop the play, and I thought that they were going to have to debate it more, but they mm-hmm. literally just, like, skated over to the side, and then they skated right to the center <laughs> ice, like, as if they're like, oh, okay, that was it. It's a goal. So, yeah. it was a weird, it was... Semi-anticlimactic. A little, little but... bit of a comedic interlude in a game that was otherwise not funny at all. <laughs> uh, Tarasenko <laughs> scored his seventh of the season. Thomas put the puck on net. Buchnevich collected the rebound. He passed the puck through the crease to Tarasenko, who tapped the puck into the net behind Koskinen. Another great goal. And once again, we should have seemingly all the momentum with 12 minutes left. Uh, and then we didn't know. Did we we went to the Jets game where they scored yes. immediately in OT. I think I went with my dad to a game a couple years back where it was a tie game. It was five on five, so uh-huh. no goalie pulled or anything. And it was against the Panthers. And yeah. they were just stuck we were just stuck in our zone and mm-hmm. I was like, Oh no, oh no. And then they scored with like three seconds uh-huh. left and it was a it was this. It was yeah. this. So did you like stay or did you just get? No, up I walked and, out. Okay, yeah. I'm surprised because we walked out and there weren't Were you that with many people leaving. Arlene or your dad? Yeah, no, I was with okay. Arlene. But it was like there weren't that many people leaving, and I was like, "Oh, that's very nice." But there's 20 seconds left. Yeah, 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 for sure. <sighs> this was real bad. This was Kaylor Yamamoto's fourth goal, third goal of the season, assisted by Drysaddle and Nurse. Um, this, this is Colton Pareko. This is this is <laughs> this is who he is. This this was hard. I mean, I broke this down. Again, I'll try to tweet out these looks, but, like, this is all on him. This is your cornerstone number one defenseman just allowing a game to slip away with bad defense and bad positioning. First of all, uh, this team does far too much puck watching. They're... The, I, I understand the, the puck is on Leon Dreisaitl's stick and he can do a lot of stuff with it, so you're going to pay a lot of attention to him. But in the first frame of this, um, Pareko is, is at the net, more or less, in the, in the slot, and looking at Dreisaitl, who's against the half wall, uh, and um, Barbashev is, is there chasing him and there's someone else. Is that Thomas? I can't quite tell. Yeah, Thomas. Uh, who's there? All three of those guys are kind of below the dot and looking at Dreisaitl, which means that with five guys on the ice, three guys are both collapsing on Dreisaitl and also not looking at anyone else. Meanwhile, Yamamoto has skated into what would what would fairly describe that a titanic amount of space <laughs> between uh, Tarasenko, who's at the point also watching Dreisaitl, not uh, at all aware, apparently, that this fast, young, skilled player is skating in front of him into a uh, an empty spot in the ice, and Pareko, who I don't think at this point has any idea Yamamoto's there, because once again, he's watching Dreisaitl. Um, so, you know, if you look at where his eye line is versus where Dreisaitl is, Dreisaitl sees this play to Yamamoto develop before anyone, any single person on the boys. He mm-hmm. sees it all the way. Uh, he knows where he's about to put the pass, uh, and the defense just has no anticipation at all. The worst part here might be that R&H, who I guess is who Pareko is 
ostensibly guard, guarding has already peeled off him at this point. Uh, so Pareko has nothing else to do but to go and look at what's behind him because RNH is in a position where there are two other people that are more responsible for cutting off a pass to him. Pareko has to turn and figure out what's going on in front of the net because he's the guy in front of the net and he doesn't do that. Uh, by the time he catches on and begins to react, he's flat-footed. In fact, he's on his back foot. Uh, he's trying to reverse course, but he's a big tree of a man. And uh, it's a gap against Kaylor Yamamoto that he just doesn't have a prayer of making up, even with his length. The puck's moving way, way too fast because it's coming off Leon Dreisaitl's stick. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko tries to see, seize the play developing finally uh, and tries to catch up from behind Yamamoto, but is also too far behind to do anything, although admittedly he gets a lot closer than Dreisaitl, or than uh, Pareko does here. Yamamoto is perfectly positioned in this gap in the coverage between those two. There are five guys five of their guys, five of our guys, excuse me, in the zone versus just three of theirs that are in this screenshot. Uh, one of those isn't even engaged in the play. He's behind the line. That's RNH who peeled off. And yet we somehow look outnumbered. By the time Yamamoto, Yamamoto shoots, there's three to five feet of space for him to get the shot off before Pareko can close the gap. And it is a goal over, um, Bennington's shoulder. Pareko also probably screening Bennington a little <laughs> bit here on top of everything saying, else. The so, thing I noticed too is like, even with all the space that Pareko's giving um, Yamamoto, it's like, okay, he's in front of the net and like you said, who's he guarding? Because over to his left by like a good chunk of space is also uh, RNH at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, so really even if this gets Yamamoto and Pareko like, is down to block it or whatever, now you have wide-open RNH that he can yeah. pass to, and he can just skate in at a severe angle on Bennington. It's like, so there's no... There's just, like, this complete lack of, like, zone coverage? Or maybe it is zone, and it's just shitty. Like, it's like, you just don't... Who are you guarding at this point? You're essentially just a pylon for Bennington to look right. around. Yeah. Uh, and presumably there's a guy at their point here, you know, off screen or mm. they're going for line change and guys are coming in but like three of our defenders have neutralized themselves by going to surround Dreisaitl and again I understand that instinct but he can also pass uh, and we just leave Yamamoto wide open and he makes us pay for it there's 29 seconds left and obviously we don't score in that amount of time and that's the game when we lose we don't get a point uh, we've battled back. It's the second straight game where we battled back from a two goal deficit just to not get any points. Uh, mm. Is that also? Did we do that in, against the Coyotes? Did they score the first two? No, we tied it twice. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, again, I know it's a little hard. Obviously, we're doing this by audio, and there's no great medium, as far as I know, where I'm legally allowed to like break down the footage <laughs> for you. But like, that's that's rough. That's real bad, and. Uh, that can't happen. I mean, Colton Pareko, we'll talk about our defensive metrics here. He's still in the positive on those, so I'm not trying to dagger the guy, but, like, this is this is the guy that people are like, he's basically Alex Petrangelo, and he basically is not. <laughs> um, in any aspect of the game, he's not Alex Petrangelo, you know? And yeah. um, I'm not trying to dagger him, but I think that is... One, you know, if, if we're doing an inductive point, an inductive thesis here, that's okay, point one. That's it. main point one. <laughs> so, you know, just keep that in mind. Colton Franco, not so good. 
but yeah, I mean, what do you say about this? We outshot them. Uh, they won more face-offs. They were one for three on the power play. We were one for five on ours. Um, they We had the Corsi upper hand, significant high danger and expected goals upper hand, but we couldn't finish, and they did finish, and they finished most importantly at the prompt time, and that was the end of that. We lost four to three. Um, Barubi, after the game, puts Marco Scandella and Colton Pareko on blast, saying, Scandi and Pareko have played some real good hockey for us. It's fallen off lately, and they've got to get back to it. That's the bottom line. We need those guys to be real solid for us defensively, and they will be. Um, so, you know, that that is uh, that was rough. That was a rough stretch. Um, it was two games in a row where the game is lost uh, in the final three minutes of the game. Uh, it would not be four games in a row, but it uh, might as well be. It felt like it. Uh, <clears throat> Vitelli made a good point here. You, you brought this up, yeah. too. You want to say that? Yeah, the Blues they said the Blues have not played well defensively this season, but Bennington has played great. So Bennington's covered up a lot of those defensive blemishes. Now that Bennington and uh, Hofer, to an extent, are playing more average, you are seeing these losses happen because the defense has not improved. And I... I think the the stats we, we talk about later definitely vet that out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not great. <laughs> um, it's just not great. And the only comfort you have mm-hmm. coming off of this loss is at least you've got the Coyotes next. And the Coyotes are lower than the scum of the earth. They are <laughs> so bad. I mean, there's... This is going to go down as one of the historically worst cop, uh, hockey teams of all time. They will be up there with like the the expansion capitals in terms of terribleness, mm-hmm. right? Um, but uh, not going to go great. On top of the excitement of hey, it's the Coyotes at home. This should be a gimme. <laughs> we excitement. call up Scott Perunovic, who had twenty points in his twelve AHL games. I, I think so, yeah. um, looks. You know, I, I we've hyped him a lot on this podcast, but he looks to be exactly cut out of that Quentin Hughes, Adam Fox, Kale McCarr, undersized, speedy, puck-controlling defenseman mold from, from college, from the NCAA. Again, I'm not saying he's as good as any of those guys, uh, but he's similar, and he has the upside, I think. I really think he does. Uh, so we call him up. We have Oscar Sundquist coming back it you know on on Monday um it was kind of rumored that we were talking about we waived Kyle Clifford and um you know we uh ultimately traded him to the Maple Leafs to send him back home to a team that he came from to here uh apparently they haven't watched how he's played since he left but you know good for them he's a locker room guy that's right that's right and they need that um but you know we waived kyle clifford which was ultimately all we needed to fit sunquist in under the cap and also fit perunovic under the cap i guess bonuses perunovic not fitting had more to do with like the i think the covid stuff like the weirdness of, of that salary cap mm-hmm. situation. But um, so we got Sunquist back. We had Perunovic debuting and Tori Krug came back from COVID. So we went into this game with Kyrou O'Reilly, Buchnevich, 
Barbashev, Thomas Tarasenko, Saad Bozak, Peron, Kostin, Sunquist, and Neil. Uh, interesting to put Sunquist immediately in with two guys he's hardly ever played with. Um, that's a, a coaching decision. <laughs> Who are you? Um, but, you know, I guess Saad and Peron wouldn't have been a ton different than that. But um, Scandella Pareko is still your top pairing. Krug and Falk, Perunovic. Slots in next to Bortuzzo, excuse me, uh, and Bennington gets the start here. So you enter this game thinking, God have mercy on the Arizona Coyotes. I, th- I literally tweeted that. So you know what? Blame me. In um, retrospect. I said, God have mercy on Carter Hutton because I love Carter Hutton like I should love my very own children, of which I have several. Um, but you don't know about any of them. You act like no you don't know. No one knows. You act like you don't know. <laughs> They've been uh, waiting for cards for years. That's right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, what happened? What happened, Ian? Tell me I what mean, happened. In retrospect, we should have known this was a trap game. This was like, this was the mine underneath the it ground. It would have been if we'd won anything coming into it, you know? Good that's job. what I don't get. It feels like a trap game for sure if you're like four and two coming into it. Right. But that's why this game is so much worse. Like I was saying earlier, like, yeah, if you win any of these other games prior, then this is one of those like, ah, you overlook the Coyotes. You can't do that, guys. And you move on. But mm-hmm. because it's like the fourth loss in a row and the last fourth and the last five games and that fifth game that even won was against Winnipeg. And it was just because Bennington stone on his head. It's like it feels like you pretty much lost five. It's mm-hmm. it, it, This is just the cherry the cherry on top. So tomorrow, if they lose to the Sharks, I don't know what that is. That's it's, a new Sunday. That's the second Sunday coming up. That's when you start talking about firing your coach. But we're going to start talking about that today because <laughs> we're the early edition. Uh, we'll get there, folks. It's not a it's not a Craig Berube Lynch mob. It's just a difference of opinion. I got a question for you. Yeah. If I drop this raisin in this bottle of water, no. does it become a Craig No. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> You were so prepared for that. Uh, Look, it's rehydrating before my very eyes. <laughs> the amount of disgust with which you answered that question. No, Stephen, no. Fuck you no. know what? I'm a raisin expert. <laughs> That's right. You've gone to reddit.com slash r slash raisins. You spent a lot of time there. I don't know if I want this. <laughs> I just think of... If it's got an NSFW filter, turn it right off, Ian. <laughs> Does it exist? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and it is about actual raisins. It says, at the top, the banner says, love our grapes, live our grapes. <laughs> I love the internet. Uh, well, we're what? going. Is this, did we? Does this photo taken tonight? Did you take this photo? <laughs> I mean, I get, I get that sun-made raisins are like the only raisins that exist. But mm-hmm. There's just a picture of them. It says Gamer Fuel. There are only 58 members. Well, let's check about. Let's check r- grapes then. Level five grape alert. 717 members. <laughs> These memes are too. These memes are like on point for what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's oh, so we'll tweet these memes out. Yeah, you'll, well, get, all, folks, you'll, get, all you'll get it. You'll get all the goodness. Uh, there's a poll currently at the top of r slash grapes. 
15 days old, 29 votes so far. Are grapes crunchy? Yes or no? That's a hard no. No, if they they've were crunchy, like, I wouldn't eat them. They've got like some substance to them, but yeah. we need a different word other than crunchy. Grapes, you know what grapes are? Grapes are al dente. <laughs> <laughs> I like my grapes al dente. <laughs> Folks, if you couldn't tell, we really don't want to talk about this Coyotes game. <laughs> <laughs> On our reasons, there's a video that just has a sad-looking man, and and it says, Tough since mom left. <laughs> I think our reasons just has, like, a couple people, and Wait, they don't really care about there's, reasons. There's like 70 people on this subreddit. Could we infiltrate it and like make it our subreddit? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely ours. Folks, go to, go to the Raisins Take over. subreddit. Let's take over. We are, we can start subtle. You know, we can, you can tweet a picture and be like, my favorite local hockey podcast gave me these raisins. Oh, I didn't realize this. I didn't realize it wasn't very active. So yeah, we can activate this thing. Oh, One of the top comments from light six years ago. Let's light it up. It just says raisins. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> no comments. <laughs> Zero comments. What is to be said? Hmm. This is like when your aunt on Facebooks is like, you know, just saying stuff. I used to know all about the LL Cool J. That's a real comment. <laughs> I am made on Facebook once upon a time. Um, all right, so let's get into this game. We don't want to. Ian, had you ever heard of Kyle Capabianco or Capabianco? Excuse me. Let's see who knows what his name is. Copacabana, whatever the hell his name is. Before this game, because I had a little seizure. <laughs> Lawson Kraus um, on the power play with six seconds left. Has the puck below the net. And all of our players are looking at him. All of them. For some reason, Oscar Sundquist, who's on the penalty kill immediately, uh, is <coughs> collapsing towards him, it seems, on this play. Even though he's at the top of the slot. All four players looking at him. Uh, meanwhile, Kyle Capabianca, Kapab- I really can't say it is out of frame. He's there to receive a wide-open pass. Now, admittedly, it was a nice pass from Cruz to get it out to him. Uh, but he's there, and now Sunquist turns and tries to close the gap. But once again, almost a, a mirror image of the goals we talked about earlier, there's just miles of space for him. So he has ages to shoot or make a play, and he fires on the net. It's a good shot, of course, but he should never be allowed that much space. Bennington can't possibly see it because now there's a mass of... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven bodies in front of him. Uh, and that's it. That's the end of that goal. One to nothing in Arizona Coyotes. Any thoughts on that? Poop. Yeah. Fair enough. Jordan <laughs> Kyrou scored. It was nice. Jordan Kyrou's good. O'Reilly and Kyrou got a two-on-one against Chikrin. And Kyrou's too fast. Literally turned Chikrin into a spinner top. And it's night-night. One-to-one. That was the best highlight for the Blues in this game. Although the Krug highlight, also pretty nice. In between there, Barrett Hayton scores his first of the season unassisted. This was rough. Krug attempted to drop the puck along the boards in our own zone to Thomas, which is... Already a suspicious decision to me. Mm-hmm. 
but Thomas either doesn't see it or just missed the puck with his stick uh, because he skates past it and Hayton is there to take the puck, move in and score, even overcoming a hook in the process. It would have been a delayed penalty, but it wasn't delayed because they just straight up scored. So now it's 2-1 to one Coyotes. We once again tie it later in the period with Krug scoring his third. He made an insane bank pass to O'Reilly and then skated up into the zone to join him 2-on-1 and buried the feed. But with just about six minutes left in the third, once again, the Blues Diamond is far too compact on the power play. They're navel-gazing at the puck. Hayton snuck in, again with miles of space between him and O'Reilly, and receives a pass. I'm sorry, not Hayton. Gostas Bear sneaks in and receives a pass from Kessel. Uh, takes the one-timer. Bennington is hopelessly screened in front by Falk, who also is failing to clear Hayton at all. Hayton tips the puck into the net. 3-2, to two, ultimately game over. We tried to score. We obviously significantly outplayed this team in pretty much every facet, although we didn't add the better of the high-danger chances or the expected goals. So actually, we didn't. We outshot them, but we didn't outplay them. They deserve to win this game. Three high danger chances at five on five is dog shit. That's mm-hmm. terrible. I know, like, there's a lot of uh, power play time on here. Like, they had two power plays. Blue said three, but it's like three. That's terrible against the Coyotes. Three high danger They're chances. They're so bad. You had thirteen against the Oilers. I get the Oilers aren't like a defensive powerhouse, but still, they're you better had, than the Coyotes yeah, had, because everyone is better at everything than the Coyotes. Right. This is a team that is actively like losses wins upset them. I know that the players on the ice are competitive and they're trying to win. Like, I get that. I know. But actually, are you, though? Like, you want to pad your own stats as much as possible, but, like, you know what you're there for, right? Mm -hmm. You know you ain't going to the playoffs. You know this. I just hate the excuse for people like, well, you know, sometimes you are going to lose to the teams that you shouldn't lose to. And I'm like, but remember what you just said in that sentence. The teams you shouldn't lose to. Yeah. You shouldn't lose to the Arizona Coyotes. They have lost one game prior to this. It was to the Seattle Kraken, who are also bad. Mm-hmm. This team got beat by the Chicago Blackhawks. They got beat by the Lowly Islanders, who aren't very good this year. They got, like, they've been beaten by everyone that's bad. Buffalo beat them. I get Buffalo slightly a little better, but still, it's like, there's no reason you should lose to the Coyotes. I don't know what it is about the Blues because they had problems with them last year. They were at least Coyotes were at least better last year, so I can at least give them that. But the Coyotes are so bad, mm-hmm. so bad. We what game two of the season? We like put a seven spot on them, like it was seven three, seven four, whatever it was. Like this is the same team yeah. that probably has even less confidence yeah. than they did in game two of the season. And listen, you can talk about parity all you want, but like this, this isn't parity. This is a historically bad team. And yeah, yeah, the Coyotes have more of a chance to beat us than like the North Bay Battalion (laughs) or the Kamloops Blazers. But like... They're NHL players. But like, not much. Not... They shouldn't. They should not beat you. Mm. This team isn't going to sneak a win over the Vegas Golden Knights this year or over the Edmonton Oilers. You know, like this team probably finishes with... What, do you think they hit 15 wins? I don't. That's what I mean. They were 1-13-1 and 13 and one or whatever for a reason. Yeah. It wasn't like a fluke. It wasn't like, oh, they've just been so banged up. In fact, I thought I read somewhere that they're missing like seven regulars. Oh, yeah. They're not even healthy. They're a bad version of the worst team in hockey. <laughs> 
But that's uh, the thing too, where I'm like, I don't care if they were trying their hardest because they got AHL guys up trying to earn a spot. That's those are bad players yeah. compared to the Blues. Those are bad players. This was just this one felt bad because it kind of felt even though the Blues had 36 shots on goal, it felt lazy. Yep, and that's what's crazy to me is like you're gonna play lazy after. I didn't like their defensive effort in the Oilers game, but they fought back. Uh, I thought the game against the Hurricanes wasn't pretty, but I still thought they played like a pretty decent one. Oh, they uh, look so dead and flat. That's scary. That's what I mean. I just don't get how now you look like crap. And again, Sunquist is back, Cruz back, Prunovich is new. But you're professional players, and these guys weren't missing. Like, Sunquist has been on this team forever. He can play with guys. He's also playing on the fourth line, so it's not that big a deal. Krug was out for like two weeks or whatever. And mm-hmm. I get that he can be a little tired from COVID and everything. Got it. But it's like, honestly, too, if that's the problem, then don't play. Like, that's, that kind of bothers me, too, about guys that are, like, injured or whatever. They're like, well, my my knee's torn in half, but I can skate, so I will be out there. And mm-hmm. I'm like, but if you're a detriment to the team, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. If it's all about team first, then stop playing. Yeah. That's the, that is one of the most batshit crazy things to me about about hockey is that they're like, uh-huh. it's all about team first, team first. And they're like, that's why I'm going out there. I'm like, but you going out there is hurting, hurting the, the team. team. <laughs> yeah. That's the most selfish thing you could do. Now, in this case, I don't think Krug was that, like, yeah. was so bad that he shouldn't have been playing. But, but didn't Baruby literally say, like, you know, we just wanted to see him skate, and he yeah. demanded to be out there tonight. Like, yeah, I mean, then, yeah, then at that point, it's a coaching thing. It's like, yeah. don't let him out there. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the, th- the thing is, like, I don't, and this is, this is an age-old problem with the Blues. We've talked about it before. But, like, you have lost three games in a row, all in crushing fashion late you've lost all of them you've lost all three with goals in the final three minutes of play and you're getting sunquist who's like your team icon Mm. i think i mean he seems to be beloved by everybody you're getting him back you're getting tory krug back who was playing some of his best hockey with the blues before he left and like you said i don't expect him to not miss a step and have to get some of his footing back, but, you know, he, he, he's there. He's better than Callie Rosen, probably. Yeah. Um, and you're getting Scott Perunovich, your, like, number one prospect into the lineup for the first time, and you just look like dog shit. You just look <laughs> flat from the very beginning and uninterested and not energetic, and I just don't... That I don't understand. Like, how do you not show up excited to beat the Arizona Coyotes. How do you not look like you're excited to pad your freaking stats? Because that's what you should look at this game as. Like, I know you don't want to look past them, but this is an opportunity for you to get an easy win and get back on track. And because you lost it, now it's panic mode. And I know it's not really like panic, like burn everything down mode. I'm not trying to oversell it, but like there's a reason that most people are like really not okay with this loss, you know? Mm. Um, and you can't, you, there's no excuse for it. You had eight games in the second half of this month. Uh, there were a bunch of ones that seemed very winnable, including this one, uh, including the Sharks. I know they've been okay this season, but they're the Sharks. Uh, you've got, 
you know, Detroit and Chicago on either ha- a side of Thanksgiving. Um, Columbus, who's actually been really good, but are still sixth in their division because the Metro is insane. Um, and Dallas, like, you should win a lot of these games, but now that you've lost to the Coyotes, it puts all of those in jeopardy. Like, you can't say any of those teams can't beat you now because the Coyotes beat you. That's the thing I hate about the parody argument. It's like, well, it's parody. And I'm like, well, then, dude, don't have any confidence ever that the Blues will beat somebody because I can just parody. Well, you yeah. know, any team can beat any team. So why does anything really matter? It is parody insofar as the Blues made a parody of a professional <laughs> hockey team in this game. Yeah. Boom. That was some wordplay for you, folks. <laughs> I am an expert. I was going to say, like, Blues started the season five and zero, just as like to wrap up this game. Um, but since then, they've gone three five and two, so that's eight points out of the available twenty. Uh, they've won or they've lost five of their last six games, with their one win in that stretch being against Winnipeg, which was one hundred percent due to Bennington standing on his head. And then I think one of the biggest issues with this team is the Blues have given up three or more goals in eleven of their fifteen games this season. That's like. I, that's just like a huge amount for that many games. I mean, even in our wins, mm-hmm. we're giving up three plus goals. Um, One of those was the Villy Husa shutout. Right. Then we had a Bennington shutout, I believe. We beat Winnipeg in shootout two to three to two. Did we have a? Uh, oh yeah, we did have a shutout. The boy, we beat the Blackhawks one to nothing. Uh, we beat the Kings three to nothing, which I think is the Husa one, and we beat the. Golden Knights three to one when they were severely shorthanded, uh, which was you know arguably our best game of the season. That was the Wednesday night one. That was prime time. It was great. But that's it. You know we allowed four goals to the Coyotes the first time we played them, and this time we allowed three and lost. It's just bad. It's just I'm not trying to I'm not trying to paint it like this team is broken or like they can't get better. But it's not good, and I think there is some some fundamental problems that we can point to, um, and so I think we should do that. <laughs> I think we should dive in. So let's broaden the lens a little bit and talk about like what is or isn't going right, and why don't we start with these stats you pulled from the first fifteen games? Because I think those are pretty insightful yeah. in terms of like what's working and what's not. Yeah, know? definitely. I think it definitely points to what some of the problems are. So like goals four, five, and five in these fifteen games, uh, the Blues have scored thirty, which is thirteenth in the league. Um, their goals for overall, they have fifty, which is sixth in the league, which will point to a a pretty good power play, which mm-hmm. is uh, the case here. Um, our goals against five on five, I believe, is I screwed you up. No, you're good. <laughs> no, you're good. Goals against five on five is twenty eight, which is sixteenth in the league. So you know, right in the middle there. Goals against overall at all strengths forty one, which is fourteenth. So we're we're middling in how many goals we're giving up. So not great, but not terrible. Our power play though is fantastic, thirty percent, which puts us second in the league, only behind that monstrous Edmonton power play. So that's pretty. I mean, that's really, really good. Mm-hmm. Which I think um, you can kind of see with all of our different like young guys scoring between Thomas, Kairou, Bushnevich, Barbashev, Tarasenko. Oh, real quick point on that: our second power play unit has been far better than our oh, first yeah, recently. Yeah, yeah. Which it's the young dudes is fine. Just switch them. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know. You know, like just put the other one out. Start with the one that needs ninety seconds of ice time and finish with the other one. You know, I think that has happened a little bit, but just like commit to that. You I know. know they never will. You've got to get those vets out. Mm-hmm. Um, PK eighty one point four percent, which is eighteenth in the league, so it could be better. Um, I don't think it's the worst thing going on here. So high danger chances for uh, 5v5. We have 126 that puts us 18th. A high danger chances against 5v5, 149, which puts us 25th. Um, but 85.45% on the high danger save percentage, which puts us 11th. So that kind of points to the fact that we are allowing a lot of high danger chances, but Bennington's been bailing us out. Or Hofer or Huso, whoever's in that, mm-hmm. uh, has been bailing us out. So, surprise, surprise, it's the defense, the team <laughs> defense that sucks. Um, and you can kind of look through all this. Our power play being second, our goalies being pretty good, high danger saves. Or I think our team save percentage overall is over a 920. So, like, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem here is is defense. And, I'm, and I won't pin it completely on, like, the defensemen, but like team defense, the overall defense of this team has been not so great. Yeah, so let's transition into that. I did just want to point out that I, uh, you basically said this, but when you talk about power play plus penalty kill, the old adage is that as long as you're above 100% between those two, you're doing all right. Uh, the Blues are at 117.8%. They're second in the league behind only Edmonton right now, uh, whose penalty kill is also really freaking good on top of their power play being pretty good. Um, so, uh, you know, that's that speaks well of their non-five-on-five capabilities, but... Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, 5-on-5 is where most of the game is played. Um, And this defense is bad. Um, There's a a chart on Evolving Hockey, a great site that if you're really interested in advanced metrics, you should definitely subscribe to. It's called the um, RAPM, which is something adjusted plus minus, ratio adjusted, rate adjusted, I don't know. Uh, But it's kind of that, if you've seen that kind of chart that has five bars on one side and three bars on the other side and it's power play and it's even strength um that's kind of the chart we're talking about here and what that does is it takes a player's goals for expected goals for Corsi for uh which is kind of shots blocks shots block shots and something else shot attempts something it's basically how much you're trying to put the puck on that yeah. uh and then it takes expected goals against and Corsi against per 60 all of those stats and kind of plots them on this bar chart for you and what you can see if you look at the blues defense is that first and foremost marco scandella is spectacularly bad <laughs> he is not a factor on the power play because he's never played on the power play he is more than one standard deviation uh i'd say what well, about almost one and a half standard deviations below average in expected goals against per 60. And he is almost all the way to two standard deviations below average on Corsi against per 60. He's also below average on goals four per 60, expected goals four per 60 and Corsi four per 60. But we knew he wasn't offering anything offensively. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's supposed to be your top line left-handed defenseman. He should not be playing on your left side he's making what 3.25 million for three more seasons i think Mm. so that's a big problem that's not craig berube's fault that he has marco scandella and has to do something with him is not craig berube's fault okay i want to be very clear on that because i am gonna 
talk about Craig Berube here in a minute. And I really don't want it to seem like I'm out to get Craig Berube because I'm honestly not. You're saying you're not a lot. I'm just trying to be honest about where we are. Colton Pareko is a net negative on everything except he's actually one standard deviation above average in expected goals against per 60. So he's doing pretty well there. Uh, He's slightly above average in goals for per 60. uh, And he is below average and everything else, including particularly bad in Corsi 4 per 60 because he never shoots. This visual representation that he never shoots. Uh, but You he can is, see it here, folks. He is actually uh, pretty good on the power play numbers here. Um, so kudos to him for that. Tory Krug is, as you'd expect, uh, a phenomenally gifted offensive defenseman. Clearly our best. Uh, well above one standard deviation above average on all the offensive categories, you know, below close to one below, um, on XGA per 60, but not terrible Mm -hmm. and actually even slightly above on Corsi against per 60. So Tori Krug, I would say, you know what you're getting with him. And if you come in with that assumption, grades out pretty well there. Yeah. Uh, Justin Falk, and, you know, we can tweet these out. I know it's it's hard to follow this while we're talking. Justin Falk, uh, okay offensively, okay overall, a little below average on expected goals against per 60, but not horrendous, just kind of a mundane season. I didn't compare it to last year. I'm sure he looked a little better last year, but mm. okay, he's all right. Um and then uh, Robert Bortuzzo, actually uh, our best defensive defenseman, I would say. Probably even even a little bit above Colton Pareko. Outstanding shot suppression, decent uh, chance suppression, uh, and actually above average on everything but goals four per 60. Uh, and then Jake Wallman is, you know, pretty, pretty much right at average on everything. He's a little below on the offensive stuff, a little above on the defensive stuff but right at average. What that means is this. We have, at best, a very average defense. And that's being a little generous. Marco Scandella's really bad. Colton Pareko is not uh, amazing. Uh, Colton Pareko certainly doesn't have the chart of someone you want to be paying $6.5 million to for nine years. Colton Pareko's chart's better if he's playing, like, I don't know, 18 minutes a game and not like 27 mm-hmm. minutes a game or whatever he's averaging out to be. Like when he's got that chart and he's out there for a vast majority of the game, that's not a good chart. And to, to be have. fair, his chart probably looks better if he's playing 18 minutes a yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. You know, Krug, I, th- I think Krug looks the nicest in this light. Krug is kind of like exactly what you'd think he was if you didn't if you didn't need him to be a defensive defenseman because the rest of your defense is bad (laughs) he'd be great he'd be exactly what you need him to be you know uh actually he could improve on the power play that's he looks a little flat there compared to what you'd expect but otherwise uh really good falk looks pretty good on the power play um but overall just average to below average almost across the board. And that ultimately is kind of the the thesis that I've alluded to is, and I'm not claiming this as original idea. I've seen other people say some more things, but the fact of the matter is that the blues are transitioning away from a defense defense first team. They cannot be one. They do not have the personnel to be a shutdown defensive team. That can't be how they 
are structured anymore because it's not there and it's only getting worse and we're married to these players. Our top three, they're stuck here. We, we just got to make the best of it. You mm-hmm. know, we're not getting rid of any of those guys and we don't have the money to spend with a flat cap to add a lot to that. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's just what you've got for now. Um, so they need to transition into a team that wins by possessing the puck and scoring a lot of goals and in my opinion, I don't think that's Craig Berube's Yeah, it's not his ability. MO. I just don't think... And again, it, I really don't think what's happening is Craig Berube's fault. I think Craig Berube is coaching the way he knows how to coach. And I think we don't have the personnel to fulfill his wishes. <laughs> I think we have the personnel to be a pretty good team. Uh-huh. But I don't think we have the personnel to be a pretty good Craig Berube team. Um, and I think kind of the perfect example of this is Jordan Cairo. Jordan Cairo is phenomenal. He is a budding superstar. Not just not just a budding, oh, he's pretty good for the Blues. He could be a full-blown superstar in this league. Um, he is on that same chart blowing the doors off on the power play um, and actually really good on uh, even strength. The only thing he's negative on, including the uh, defensive statistics, is exp- is uh, Corsi 4 per 60. Um, because, you know, he's probably not shooting enough, honestly. Mm. He probably needs to be shooting more and passing less. Um, but the one thing that really jumps out at me, Ian, and you can disagree if you feel differently, his expected goals against and his Corsi against per 60 are very high. Mm-hmm. Um and I think the reason for that is pretty simple. I think there are two ways to defend. One way is to play really good defense and keep the defense, keep the opposition to the outside and keep them out of primary shooting lanes and push people out from in front of the net and do all those things you're supposed to do in your own zone to keep the other team from scoring. The other way is to just never let them have the puck. And Jordan Cairo never lets the other team have the puck when yeah. he's on the ice. Um, I think that's the team we kind of have to be now. And to prove out my point about Craig Berube, um, he's somehow Jordan Cairo is somehow still ninth among forwards in ice time. And you could believe, like, you know, O'Reilly, Perron, Thomas, some of those guys fine but he's behind guys like Brandon Saad and Braden Shin and Pavel Buchnevich who's been good but mm-hmm. not as good and even Ivan Barbashev and admittedly some of those guys are killing penalties and I get that but like 16 minutes a night is not enough for Jordan Cairo to be out there it's simply not he needs 18 at least he needs to be on the ice as much as possible because once again, we are not going to win games 3-1 to one this year. As you pointed out, 11 out of our 15 games have been three goals or more. Mm. So we have to find a way to set our target at scoring four goals. That has to be our primary objective because we're not going to stop them from scoring three goals most of the time. Mm. If you're flipping a coin and every two out of three times it comes up tails, you've got to stop assuming you can make games plans around heads, you know, like that's just how it works. Um, And I don't know. I just feel 
this kind of all materialized as I looked at the numbers. And it's not a surprise. I think we talked about this coming into the season and basically said, and we talked about it even last year, like, is this team kind of becoming a not Craig Berube team? I just think it's like undeniable now that it's not Mm -hmm. and that we need to find it, whether it's Jim Montgomery or somebody else, you know, who's able to coach that like high possession, exciting offensive game, willing to let goals go, you know, hoping Bennington bails you out some, but not, but not forcing him to, because that right now we're putting him in a position where if we're not scoring, we're not scoring four or five goals a game like we were at the start of the season. And so we're not winning. Mm. And that's pretty simple. You know, we were scoring a lot more. And I mean, again, like, even in some of these games we have been scoring recently, it's it's just we're allowing way too many. And again, we can cut down on goals being scored against mm-hmm. us if we're just going to possess the puck more. It doesn't have to be that that banging that banging defensive hockey. Um, that's a big thing where I was wondering that coming over here today. I was like, man, what coaches are out there? It seems like all coaches like preach the old school got to be hard on defense hockey. And I get it's like defense first and stuff, but there's got to be some young guys out there that are like, hey, we're all about the possession sort of version of defense. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are, but it does feel like a weird sell or like a hard sell in St. Louis, which sucks, right? Because like that's just the way this fan base thinks and it's the way this team has historically been built or, or been envisioned as like this banging team that's defense first and they're checking and they're hard and they're grizzled and they'll grind you and stuff. And it's like, you can try and make that your identity all the time, but that's not always going to win. So mm-hmm. if you're, if your goal is to win, then you need to adapt to whatever team you have, whatever time and place this is in the NHL. And it's like the time and place is like possession hockey, especially for this team. And I just, I wonder what the appetite is for that for like the front office, because it feels like, Doug Armstrong's assembling like a different team than what Craig Ruby would coach. Mm-hmm. They seem like they're on the same page. They seem like they like each other, all that stuff. No, no weird owner coach or GM coach issues like in the Blackhawks that are many years ago, but it's like, what? Yeah, but at the same time, Craig Ruby doesn't have a contract passed this year. That's true. You I know, like, that. I, I agree with, I, I don't think there's an animus there. Yeah. But I'm not sure that. Doug isn't seeing some of the same things we're seeing right now. You I just, know? I just not to love... mention he has a guy. It's I'm not gonna say Jim Montgomery as a coach in waiting, but he has a guy that's been a successful. Nor would Doug Armstrong. <laughs> Nor would Doug Armstrong. Never He's again. Learned his lesson, but he does have a guy. I have a coach that is waiting. He's not a coach in waiting. <laughs> no, but he is waiting. Just hanging around waiting. I would never call Peter Chirelli the GM in waiting, waiting, but here there he is. Um, but no, I mean, he has a guy on the bench who's a proven, mm-hmm. exciting NHL coach. Monty is running the special teams, right? I think the PK. Okay, and whose power play is Steve Ott? I think so. So, like, those are both guys who will be NHL head coaches again or for the first time, I think. So, I just, it feel it, it definitely feels to me like we transition to, like, Hey, we're a lot younger. We gotta focus on our young guys. Mm. You know, we were even talking a couple weeks ago. I mean, the season only started over a month ago. It feels somehow a lot longer to me than that. Right. But like yeah. we were talking about preseason, how even Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick were like, "Yo, these this team needs to turn the keys over to the young kids and let them play and let 
uh, Kairu and and um, Thomas get ice time. And to Barubi's credit, those guys have. I don't think Kairu's gotten enough. Thomas arguably has gotten too much. Uh, I was going to say, because based on that same chart, uh, Thomas, very good offensively, super bad defensively. He's actually two, two standard deviations. I've said standard deviation too much on this podcast. Below average in uh, XGA per 60 and one below in, in Corsi against per 60, but everything else very positive. He's actually smashing off the chart on goals for per 60 on the... Uh, power play so he's very creative he's very awesome but like you're not giving him 19 minutes of ice time because of how defensively responsible he is are you and if you are probably should think again you know so it's like it's that I I want Robert Thomas to have 19 minutes of ice time I think that's a great number for him but you can't give him that and then make the argument that you're keeping Jordan Cairo at 16 because he's not defensively strong enough, you know, like that doesn't wash. Yeah. So I just think I, again, I really don't think Craig Berube is the problem, but we've talked about this before. When you are a team that needs a change, you can't change. You can only the change. The coach changes everything in one fell swoop. Mm-hmm. It's the easiest, biggest change you can make in season. It's the easiest, biggest change you can make out of season because it's the only guy that affects every other guy mm-hmm. that you can replace without another team yeah, so helping you, you in any way. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like, so I, I don't think I'm not trying to say this is not a Mike Yo situation where I feel like Craig Bruby is actively holding the team back. Or, you know, I think that he has to go or that I'm like, obviously, I'm incredibly thankful for what he did with the cup run. But the results since then haven't been great. Alex Petrangelo isn't here anymore. Jay Bomeister isn't here anymore. Alex Steen isn't here anymore. This isn't a Craig Verby team anymore. It's transitioned to a new identity. And the fact that we're still kind of, we still kind of have this coach is like a vestigial coach from a team gone by is just sort of strange. And I think, I think it's probably time that it not be that way. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think he's going to get fired anytime soon. I think his seat's probably a little warmer than you might think after tough, you know, four losses in a row Yeah. Uh, with, you know, Arizona capping that off. I mean, he can't win like he can't lose like three or four more in a row and not be in the flames, you know, but like, um, I just think, I think the team needs to embrace the puck control speedy outscore your opponent model. And like you said, I think that's very antithetical to what the blues are and always have been. And there are some, there's some people out there that really won't like it. I swear they like I don't know if it would help any, but I don't think it would hurt. Like if they switched coaches, if they go to the, uh-huh. if they go through the season, Craig Brewer doesn't get renewed, they go to Montgomery, I think they legit have to have a press conference where he kinda goes through like, Hey, we wanna be a puck possession team. I mean you see coaches do this, I'm like, mm-hmm. this is what we wanna do in broad strokes, you know, this is how we wanna play. I just want them to say that yeah. so that at least people can be prepared. Like, this is what the team's trying to do. This is no mm-hmm. longer a weird, like, byproduct. And I think you're right. We're seeing a team that's, like, they're great offensively. I mean, they're yeah. really good. And then you see, like, they're not so great defensively. But then it's like, well, then 
it's because they're trying to just play two things. We have young, speedy guys that are creative, but we also want everyone to be like a hard-hitting David Backus type. And it's just like, it doesn't, it's not going to, it's never going to work. And like, even if you look at, I mean, even if you like step away from the Kyrus and the Thomas and the headline guys, like if you look at our defense, even if you take away like what we just talked about with the actual stats, Mm -hmm. if you just look at reputation, entering next season, ideally, you know, barring trades or surprises, you probably hope that your top four is some combination of Falk, Pareko, Krug, and Perunovic. Mm Mm-hmm. Three of those four guys are, like, very offense-first reputations. Mm -hmm. Like, even just on reputation, even when you acquired those guys, you knew what you were getting, you know? And, like, I think think Fox an okay defender. I think Krug, you know, isn't great, but it does enough offensively that he's great as a package. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Perunovic, I think, is probably better than either of those two guys defensively or at least in the same way we were just talking about Tory Crew or uh, Jordan Cairo being great in that he's never going to let the puck off his stick so what's it matter yeah. but like um just looking at that in a bubble like leaving everything else alone you can't you can't have four those four guys and then tell me your identity is grinding physical hockey you just mm. can't i mean that's just that's just absurdity if, on its face. If they really try that too, it does feel very much like the Mike Hoffman issue of last year, but on a grander scale uh-huh. where it's like, well, they just wanted him to play two-way hockey and they put him on the fourth line. It's like, yeah. that's not his thing. And then eventually they slot him in on the power play. He does his thing. And he looks great. Uh-huh. And it's like, yeah, if you just let the people on your team do the thing they're good at, then you'll have success. But you have to let that form the identity of your team and not this weird, like, I mean, it's literally a square peg round hole. Yeah. Like you just can't, like you said, make those players. Those players can't be six three. Those right. players can't pin dudes to the boards and like you know embarrass them in front of the net. It's yeah. just not going to happen. Yeah, there's a, a lot of small guys without a Radko Gudis among them. You know, like <laughs> that's who we need. That's who we got to go get. And I know people want a big addition to our top four. Where's that going to come from? I, the Tarasenko trade's like the only option. That's what I'm gonna say. You you're gonna get it that by subtraction. Yeah, that's literally the only trade that makes sense and, currently. And like if we then we're ta- then we're talking about spending like twenty five million, twenty four, twenty two million something on our top four, and I, I think it's not a, any better than that. Like that's what I mean, <laughs> I, think, I think that's such a shitty move too. Because again, it's it's again it's pivoting you towards the old way of thinking. Yeah, and I know Tarasenko wants out, but take that aside you're removing an offensive threat a big offensive threat has got 14 points this season through 15 games he's looked really good uh-huh. um and you're adding in yeah a defense first a really good robert bortuzzo yeah um and that's it and so now you're gonna hope that one guy is gonna lower your goal is gonna lower your goals against and now also your goals for taking Are, a pretty big hit yeah so like i hope you're good defensively it reminds me of when hitch got canned it was like okay we're not scoring that might be the issue eventually. And then it's like, oh, but also we can't stop pucks. So it's like, I thought the whole reason we couldn't score is because we're going to be really good defensively. Yeah. We can't do that. Okay, well, then, then we're just shit. Yeah. So I I would much rather us go the route of, like you said, puck possession and embracing like these these players. I mean, Kyrie's 17 points in 15 games. Thomas is 15 and 15. Tarasenko's 14 and 15. Perron's 12. Like, it's just like we have... We have more offensive threats in this team than I think we ever have. 
yeah um in a long time even in the cup run and stuff like it just feels like we're getting scoring from everywhere and i love it and it just feels so weird to be losing these games because it feels like i'm constantly watching jordan Kyrie score i'm constantly watching tarasenko score or thomas or bushnevich make great passes and like it's all happening i'm yeah. seeing it happen and then it's like in a blink of eye, like yeah, well that's a loss, and that's a loss, and that's a loss. I'm like, what's ha- <laughs> what the fuck's happening? I'm in, I'm kind of enjoying these games, and then the result is just like, no, but that's a loss. I'm like, yeah. but how? But why? I think that disparity between the power play and the regular five on five is kind of proof of that yeah, because right. it's like you're weaponizing those guys to be all about scoring and to be all about offense when they're playing on the power play you're not allowing them that same freedom to make plays and seek out opportunities at five on five because you're having them worried about um you know their positioning and their defense first and listen i even if you know even if robert thomas sucks old car tires at defense like he's He's not openly in rebellion against his coach or the team strategy. Like if you're supposed to play a defense first style, even if he's not suited to do it, he's going to try and do it, mm-hmm. you know? So it's not like even, you know, it's not like his skills are going to magically overcome the coaching if if the coaching is teaching him not to play in a way that suits him. So I just think it's a bad combination of things and, um, you know, I would rather be winning five to four than losing three to two. I'd also rather be losing five to four than losing three to two. That's just more fun hockey. But I understand why, you know, I would obviously rather be winning defensively than losing offensively. But I just don't think that's the way that we're headed. I wanted to say um, Prunovich, I thought, looked fine in his debut. I think he looked um, timid. I would say in a word, yeah. which is to be expected. It's his first game in the NHL. Uh, kudos to Berube for giving him a little bit of power play time. That was cool to see. I hope that continues. Perunovic needs to shoot more. And there were several times I saw him defer, you know, drop passes or, or handing the puck off to somebody else when, you know, had this been Traverse City or I'm guessing the AHL, we would have seen him make the zone entry and control the play. And I want to see him step up and do that because that's what he can do. I know, you know, you don't want to come in as a rookie and seem too cocky or overconfident or make some big mistake. Uh, But I think I hope that part of his game develops really quickly at the NHL level because as everything we just said points to, it's what we really need. (laughs) So, Well, Gift Jeff says there's a 95% chance that he stays up in the league. So, you know. Oh, he's got, an eye. he's got nice. an eye. I mean, he said Jake Neighbors was crap, and Jake Neighbors isn't here anymore. That's true. So. He hates Jake Neighbors. So. Uh, he's not looking to make everyone have the worst day of their, <laughs> of their not, job. Not trying to make be funny. Um, but, yeah, Jake Neighbors made the captain of the Edmonton Oil Kings, so yeah. he's... He's going to have a, a fun year, I think, with the you know presumably World Junior Championships and everything, too. So, uh, good for him. He already has two assists and two games played in Edmonton. So, he's he's the king of the castle. The oil king of the oil castle, if you will. Ian, anything else you want to say? We've talked a lot. I would say one of our deeper, more, you know, an, more analytics-focused yeah. episodes. But... I felt like there were some trends I was actually seeing for once that I wanted to point out. So anything else you'd like to talk about before we get out of here? Um, I feel like we've had a lot of really good insights. So I feel like we've got to end on just like a real, a real stinker. Okay. You, know? you like, got um, anything? No, I think it's, I think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. This is just really killing 
the momentum we just built. Yeah. Um, you the know... Blackhawks are up two to nothing on the uh, Kraken. I'm just going to call that the Kraken come back and win it. I'm, I'll be dead wrong. So, you know. Oh, by the way, the Kings rename, or not the Kings, but renaming the Staples Center to Crypto.com Arena, unacceptable. Oof. Unacceptable. I know Staples is a place, but like it's been there it, so long yeah. that it does feel like Bush, a real name. Bush is also a product, but no, it's not. Yeah, right. Not when you, t- not when you put it on a stadium, it's not. I know, you know? I do feel kind of like, uh, is crypto a fad? It's not. It's going to be here forever, That's, but is it a fan? The, these guys made a 20-year lease, so they better hope it's not a, a fan. A friend of mine told me that he has 90% of his savings in crypto, and I'm... That's too much. I'm worried. Don't do that, kids. I'm worried. <laughs> is it real crypto, or is it like... Because if it's Dogecoin... <laughs> I, had, I had a back and forth... Like, if you've got 90% in Bitcoin... You know, at least you're an adult, but like, <laughs> I had a back and forth in a group text that I was watching happen. This kid said, "Yeah, I was like, I have ninety percent of my savings in in crypto." And this, and someone asked, like, he's like, "Oh, Dogecoin?" And he goes, "No, not fucking shitcoin." You know, calling it that. <laughs> and then the other guy said, "It's not shitcoin. It's meme coin." <laughs> um, oh boy! Oh boy! So oh boy. no, apparently not. Not okay, not Dogecoin. Good. You know, I mean, it's it's a fad. In some respects, but I think it lasts. Stephen, how do you mine Bitcoin? So, I don't know the intricacies. You said you're an expert. But my... <laughs> you said, you my... and yourself, admitted yourself <laughs> our, that you're an expert. Our, if the SDP has Adam's history corner, can we have Stephen's crypto Yeah, corner? you know just as much. Uh... Oh, it, you gotta sound like you really know. Come it on. basically has to do with like computers running complicated algorithms and uh, breaking down the system and and mining Bitcoin in the process. But the algorithms don't have a purpose. It's not like it's not like over like the algorithms are helping them like decode cancer genomes and treat cancer and then also over here you're getting bitcoin as payment the algorithms are nothing it's just like by the process of processing all this you're making imaginary currency which we have decided ian is worth sixty thousand us dollars i understand so see as we work back as you peel back the layers Uh i feel like i understand each layer people are like Oh, when you want to say, oh, why is it worth $60 million? Well, that's because it's a scarce reason. It's the same reason when we think a dollar bill is worth a dollar. Yeah. It's like we've given it value because mm-hmm. the stuff in Fort Knox don't matter no more. That's right. So I get, I get that even, part. It ain't even there. It's gone. It's, it's, a, it's a ghost it's town. An empty, it's an empty vault with two tumbleweeds <laughs> and Ennio Morricone playing at all times. <laughs> so I get that part. And then I get like, it, there's multiple ones and it's also like, it's you're investing in it, but it's also a currency that you can use. So it's like if I could buy a PlayStation with stock, you know, it's like uh-huh. I get that. But when they say they're mining it, when you say, oh, an algorithm that's doing a cancer thing and you're getting paid in Bitcoin, mm-hmm. I'm like, that makes sense. And then you go, but it's not that. And they go, it's just doing a thing. That's the part where I'm like, but what does it do? That sounds like they're like, turn your phone on, please. So it's running. Uh-huh. And like, it is running. And they go, okay, well, now that it's running, 
you'll get some Bitcoin. Yeah, no, basically that's happening. And I'm like, but why are you rewarding me Bitcoin? It's like, well, because your phone's on. I'm like, yeah, I know, but like, why? Like, uh, yeah, let's just enjoy it. <laughs> Except that the computer processing power is so intense that some people believe it's contributing to global warming. So, you know, there that's you go. Fine. That's Who fine. cares? Warm the globe. <laughs> it's too cold in here. <laughs> well, like, I still don't get I still don't fucking get it. I'll, I'll look it up. I'm even, I think I looked up one time it's for dummies and it got too complicated. And I was like, no, 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 no. For real <laughs> dummies. Like, real, like, you know, eating fucking a steak with a fork. Or oh, whatever, sloppy steaks, else. baby. Sloppy steaks. So, folks, uh, you know, get your anchor, get your Bitcoin, get your Ethereum. Stay away from Shiva Inu. And for the love of God, don't you dare touch Dogecoin. Not even a little bit. Do whatever you want. I'm not entitled to give you financial advice you should see my finances they're terrible they have a cat coin i feel like they should oh have yeah coins. i'm sure they have lots of cat coins you know so or you just mean actual cat coin let's see cat coin price today cat to usd uh one cat coin is worth almost nine tenths of a cent <laughs> so it is a real yeah of course it is yeah and the Ooh. logo is uh appears to be yeah, it's a cat with a, but it, it's like designed to look a little bit like a Doge, you know. But it's yeah. a cat. Interesting, <sighs> folks. It is not even ranked. It is not even ranked. Was the Canucks lost again? Yeah, they're pretty bad. Speaking of not even ranked, uh, so you know, I think before we come back next week, uh, Travis Green's getting fired. Yeah, how could he not be? Right. How could he not be? Do you know the current price of Bitcoin? Do you know the current market cap of Bitcoin, Ian? It is one trillion dollars. Oh, this is made up. This is made up stuff at this point. Whenever like they talk about like the U.S. deficit, or they're uh, like the U.S. owes China thirty-nine billion dollars. I'm like that's or like thirty-nine trillion dollars. Like that's not even a fucking. That's, that's not a number. Money. That's, that's just made money. up. Yep. This podcast is also made up. So for we're making up for lost time. I'm ending it. We got to end it. Here. We got to call it. End it, folks. We're ending it. Get out of here. It's getting int. Wait, that doesn't make sense. To all the cats and kittens out there, Carol Baskin's back. New episodes. I refuse to watch <laughs> them. Have a great night and a happy week before Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Christmas. War is over. Mm-hmm.